Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And I've got a very, very interesting guest for you today and I know you're going to enjoy the conversation. This gentleman's got over 20 years experience in business-to-business sales and in recruitment, spanning all the aspects of recruitment you'd expect, the contract marketplace, the interim marketplace, permanent, as well as search, which uh, which is often called headhunting. He's currently the Chief Executive Officer of Systems Accountants in the US, which is a highly niche business specializing in finance systems and transformation. And he's also responsible for delivering their growth ambitions. We've worked together for a good few years now. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him, particularly because he's a big rugby fan, which never hurts. Uh, Please welcome Steve Leebrook. Steve, hi, how are you? James, hi, very well indeed, thanks. How are you? I'm I'm great, thank you, and I'm delighted to to be able to grab you because I I know you're flitting between the US and uh, and the UK at the moment, um, getting that operation set up. How are you? Have you got your your Have you got a house? Are you ready to go? What, what, what's yeah, what it's um it's been a long time in the making. Actually, it feels like it's been uh, it's been happening for some time now. But we've uh, yeah, it's all real. We've we've got a house and we've got school sorted out for the kids and uh, and clubs and stuff. So we'll be uh, we'll be over there full time from um, from the first week in August. So it's uh, it's suddenly become very real and all happening but uh, really excited about it and how are you finding the business difference between the uk and the us yeah that's a good question i think um the way we transact business in the us is uh is a lot different i think without being too disparaging to my my colleagues in the recruitment industry in the uk recruitment or staffing in the us i guess is is seen more of a profession so you find people coming out of Law firms and accountancy firms to go into into recruitment. Um, you know, there's there's the big brands out there who, who play you play very well, but um, our our niche has transposed really well over there. There's not many people doing what we do uh, in the way that we do it. Um, and I think it's um, it's all about relationships, and the the English accent goes a long way for us. There's a bit of a novelty factor around that, but there's there's no doubt it's um, it's certainly the land of opportunity and. Uh, We've had year-on-year year growth since since landing in America, probably three or four years ago now. So it's um, it's really pushing on to the next level and expanding more of our services and growing that out. So it's a really exciting time. Fantastic. I mean, I've I, I just come back from a couple of weeks in Orlando. I, was, I, I keep telling people about it. <laughs> I had such a wonderful time. But one of the things I love about America is is that kind of opportunity. Um, they talk about it being the land of opportunity, but People truly, I think, want you to do well. If you suggest you're going to start a business, I know in, in particularly where I'm from in, in Australia, people will sort of say, ah, well, you know, good luck, but uh, yeah, it won't work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where there, they're very very kind of positive and, yeah, go on, do it. And I, yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a, a really good thing. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've we've seen distinctions between the different regions that we're in. So we've got offices in New York that services the tri-state and, uh, and in Chicago. But the, the guys in New York, you know, New York's for, for the young guns and it's all about career and long hours and the money. But it's you're absolutely right. It's anything's possible over there as long as you, you put your mind to it and you invest the time. So it's, um yeah, we've, we've, we've certainly seen that firsthand ourselves. Fantastic. Well, I can't wish you enough luck over there, Steve. It's uh, it's going to be uh, great to track you and watch what what you're managing and managing to achieve. What's um what's what do you find about service? Because service is obviously key to to my heart at the moment. How how different is it in America to to the UK? Yeah, it's um I guess it's mixed really. I think for me, America's always been on a bit of a pedestal around around service and customer service and, and engagement. I think from a cultural point of view, sometimes to the point perhaps of being a little bit crass and, and, and a, a, bit, a bit too much. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's the expectation around service now um, is, is really, really high. You know, we're, we're working with a, with a range of organizations from sort of, you know, pre-IPO fast growth companies to, to Fortune 500 companies. And and the expectation around our service to them is is the same. It's more demanding. So um, I think the US just has that general uh, demeanor around service anyway. Um, and uh, it just means you have, to, you have to work harder and think more creatively about how you build that service offering out above and beyond your core offering, if that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, we've both been in recruitment a, a long, long time. And, I, you know, there's there's, there's absolutely businesses who, who treat the customers, whether they become their candidates or they're the clients, um, in a very, very fine way. And there's others who, who treat them as a money-making, uh, you know, exercise. Yeah. Um, and, and recruitment has a bit of a bad name in some ways for service. Is that changing? Are you seeing changes? Um, in, in the U S yes. Um, I think, you know, when you think about service in, in our industry, in, in the recruitment sector, I think, um, recruiters need to evolve and become more, what I would call professional problem solvers. Um, unfortunately, I feel that, that standards of service in the recruitment industry generally have, have fallen you know, in, in the UK. I genuinely right. feel that you don't have to do much to make yourself stand out and look really good, you know, which, which is a shame. Uh, it, it really is a shame. And I think that, you know, don't forget we're brand ambassadors for, for, for organizations. We're, we're ambassadors for candidates that we represent. So it's all about delivering successful outcomes for them. And, you know, that service absolutely has to be, has to be front and center. Um, so I guess it's a lot depends on the definition of service and the expectations of, of our candidates and clients and what that service needs to look like. But um, I think um, for those companies who are who are focusing on service, then, you know, for, for, for the wrong reasons, unfortunately, they'll absolutely stand out. Yeah, I, you know, hearing you say those things, Steve, it just war- it, well, it saddens me rather than worries yeah. me. Um, you know, particularly where I hear people saying, well, they think service levels are dropping. Um, if anything, it, it should be the absolute other way around. I think you, you nailed it a minute ago. You mentioned the word relationship. Um, and in my mind, at this very base level, biz- recruitment is a business of relationships, relationships mm. in different styles and different ways, but it's about that relationship and how you do it. And if if differentiating yourself is just doing a good job, then that's uh, it's great for 
businesses like yours who, you know, do that. Um, it's sad for the industry, though, that to, to, to this just doing a good job differentiates you. Yeah, and I think it's not. I don't think it's specific to the recruitment industry necessarily. I think you know automation and outsourcing has has helped companies reduce costs. There's no doubt about that. But I, I firmly believe it's been at the expense of disenfranchising their customers due to due to lack of service. So you know, chatbots is a great example. You know, they've, they've, they've got a place, but and even in the recruitment industry, but you're absolutely right. It, it totally dilutes the value around around relationships. And you know, if you haven't got relationships in, in, in the recruitment industry, then you're, you're, you're not doing enough to a good start. Oh, the number of uh, businesses that I've, you know, obviously I see a fair few and, um, and I still see people throwing bits of paper about and hoping some of it will stick. Uh, you know, it never did and it never will. Um, mm. You might make a, a quid here or there, but you're certainly not going to build a business with it. Um, I think uh, you tapped on uh, on chatbots there. I, I don't know if you picked up my, my latest blog about them, Steve. I, I was having a proper rant about chatbots recently because I was okay. had a, a problem with BT, um, you know, a service business, um, yeah. one who doesn't get a great deal of positive uh, press. But, uh, you know, you can't phone them. Um, you know, yeah. if, to, yeah. to have a problem, you've got to use a chatbot. Now, for some some people are saying, I love chatbots, they're great. Well, that's fine, but you need to give um, everybody the opportunity to contact you in the way that works best for them um, and be available. And I think in recruitment, you know, back in the good old days of, you know, when I was uh, new into the industry, we didn't have email. I've got to show my age now. We use fax machines um, <laughs> and we had two telephones, one incoming and one outgoing. And um, and you 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 had to get back to people. It wasn't a, a choice um, and you didn't have the luxury of dropping them an email and hoping for the best. You had to action. And Absolutely. those sort of skills um, are part of that service offering, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, it's you know, the industry generally has become too transactional and too too commoditized now. Um, and so that, that service piece is, again, it's just getting getting shadowed. But I, I think what, what we're focusing on is you know, how do you deliver value rather than cost? And how do you how do you take that concept to a client and say, you know, what's the value of the service that you provide? So working with our clients to exchange money for a measurable outcome that's valued by them yeah. rather than leveraging a fee for a transaction. So you know that that's a fundamental shift from being a you know, a reactive supplier to a, a proactive partner, and they're, and they're two very different things. Um, so it's all about the value versus the cost, which isn't a new argument. It's not 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 a new concept, but I think if you can articulate that in the right way to clients, then it's um, you know it's a healthy place to be. I absolutely agree with you. And I yeah, it's not a new concept by any stretch, but neither should it be. Um, I, it's it's another one of those things that's kind of almost gone out of fashion. And you think, really, yeah, how how, yeah. how can that be? Uh, you know, when uh, you, you sh most businesses want to work with a business for the first time and then work mm. with them forever, um, you yeah. know, to be that number one supplier, to be the one they think of, to be the only one they bother with. Uh, you know, when it comes for when it comes to to hiring in the niche that you guys work in, you want your client to say, "Well, you know, we call Steve, yeah, uh, not yeah. or whoever we can find." And that's thinking long term, right? So that's that's playing the long game. That's thinking beyond the fee, beyond the reward, uh, beyond any result. It's thinking about 
I don't know, the extras, perhaps uh, providing knowledge, sharing ideas, giving advice, you know, providing mm. clients or candidates with feedback or data or in, insights in support that, that's a, you know, a, a value uh, a value to them. Um, and again, over and above the core service. So that's um, that goes back to my earlier point about you know, sticking out like a sore thumb for just doing a few extra things that really don't cost you time or money, but but mean mean you know, a huge amount to the people that are receiving it. Isn't that a lot more fun? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I just, right. if I think about you know the relationship you and I have had over time, um, you know, obviously we both like rugby, and that's that. It's always nice to work with people who have similar interests, but. You know, in terms of personalising, you guys were sponsoring um, the Rugby Business Network, and yeah. you know, I when you said to me, James, would you like to come along? I I, I was absolutely tickled pink. Um, mm. You know, it was a lovely thing, and that was purely because we knew each other. You understood what I liked, and you had something that you thought I might enjoy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds simple, right? And I, I, again, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's a generational thing. I think you know some of the millennials now, some of the the, the new guys that we we have in, in the industry generally just have have different expectations around around their, their work environment and expectations of of what they need to do to to be successful in in their in, in their role. So there's a big education piece around that. Yeah, I I think there absolutely is, and I don't I I, I always hesitate when people talk about generational differences particularly as um, millennials or anybody bought after 1980 now you know they're about yeah. to turn 40 um, so they're not really a young generation yeah, yeah. Um, although I'm about to turn 50 and feeling every every minute of it uh, but they're uh, you know so when we look at them I think you know people talk about how we should work with uh, with younger generations, we absolutely should because you, generation on generation, from time you know time dot, there's always been differences. Um, however, we need to educate the staff we work with or hire the right people in the first place. Um, hire against core value, so we're getting that right style of individual from from their base, not just from their skills and their attitudes, and then help them learn how to work with the generation who's older than them, because the generation who's older than them ho- holds the purse strings. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's that's a model that's that's uh, yeah works well. So, and yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's not something that is necessarily a, a an obstacle or, or a blocker to delivering good service but you just need to understand how you how you manage that correctly in, in your business it should keep us on a toe shouldn't it? it should keep us thinking yeah yeah i mean you've got to everyone's got to be thinking about about service you know it's um we're, we're a really niche business so you know references testimonial case studies are a goal to us you're not going to get those without good service um you know we're not a big volume recruiter um where, where you can sometimes hide behind behind bad service um so um yeah getting our our new hires into the organization that that's a, a fundamental discipline and, and values around that that we that we try and instill in them um and i think that that's a big thing as well it's uh you know, the service piece is very much a, a, a cultural thing it's it's top down um it, it's about engendering the, the right values behind um what good looks like on service you know it's it's about um accountability about transparency about honesty um you know, all of those good things that um, that should be as, as i mentioned earlier inherent part of the culture it's uh, it's it's interesting talking to recruiters about recruiting for their own businesses because you'd expect that they should be the very best at doing that but actually yeah. hiring good consultants is much harder than people imagine um, and uh, you know, like all industries, you know, out of ten people, only one of them will be worth having a chat with. 
but then narrowing it down to getting that that value set right. Um, you know, might take that one and divide them by ten again. Um, and I think we we forget to you know, the lessons we teach our clients. We sometimes forget ourselves. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think as as companies grow, um, as as we've experienced, you know, especially international growth across different locations and territories, you have to be ever so careful that those messages don't get diluted. Um, and then suddenly you've got you know you you've got a core business like we have in, in, in London, but our European operations and our, our US operations are detached from that. So how do you still drive the right values and, and make sure that they're you know, and passed on to uh, to the people you're hiring? It's it's a very interesting thing when you talk about scale like that. I um, I talk quite a lot about the Ritz-Carlton group and, uh, and, and what they did, at, you know, how they managed to maintain that. And a lot of it's to do with um, really great leadership and management. Um, yeah. Those people understanding the business, truly understanding the business, and then reinforcing that message at mm. weekly catch-ups, at daily team meetings, at all the places that you would that you should be, um, and yeah. taking time yeah. out of the business conversation to say, right, well, it's only it's you know this conversation is about how the, what we're we doing this week, guys. Plus, what are we doing in our business? Um, and it's and it's important. What have you done in your business, Steve? What what have what have Systems Accountants done to improve the service offering that that you provide your clients? Yeah, that's it. That's a good question. Yeah, so um, we've we've worked quite hard at that recently. We, we're a business that's that's been going for twenty years, and I think um, you know we're being absolutely frank. It's only in, in, in relatively recently that, that we've started addressing some of these issues, and that's not a reaction to anything bad that's happened. It's just us being proactive and wanting to to maintain the standards we talked about. But um, internally, we we did a big exercise around employee engagement so really you know taking each employee on a journey through their experience with with the business um okay and and really listening and and garnering that feedback and and, and using it in a way where we could do something with it so is is there a training need is is a needs around education um how can we adapt the business to um, you know, address some of the issues that we have and really kind of take the temperature of the business. Where are people's heads at? Right? Culturally, where, where, where are we? And what, what are people like? And, and, and what do we need to need to do more of? And, and where are the things we need to improve? And that, that was a really insightful exercise for us. So we didn't always hear the things that we wanted to hear and some of it was was hard to swallow. Um, but you've you absolutely got to start somewhere on, on these exercises. And I think the employees value that. You're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have a voice. And we hear you. So that, that was the first thing. I think, secondly, we've um, relatively recently, actually, we've started to introduce um, uh, feedback surveys for every placement that we make. So whether it's a, a permanent or, or candidate. So we send a, a, a very brief survey out to uh, the, the, uh, the the client about their experience with us as a business, about their experience with the consultant that they dealt with. Okay. Um, reasonably quick and simple, but it, it looks at things like net promoter score, which you can you, you can measure, and again identifies training needs, and then same for the candidate experience as well. So it keeps us accountable. It keeps the consultants accountable. Um, and it helps us do that continuous improvement and assessment about getting better and improving the things we need to work on. So that's that's been two real big strides for us where we've seen 
a tangible benefit in terms of employee engagement internally, but also mm-hmm. uh, engagement with uh, with our client and candidate communities. It's it's an interesting. Um it's a great process you've been through, should I say. The Did you find when you did the engagement with your own staff, with your own guys, were the result, was, were any big surprises? Were there things you were expecting to see that you didn't or vice versa? Um, yeah, on the whole, I, I, to be honest, I don't think we really had any expectations because we hadn't done it before. You know, we, we'd like to think, you know, people in the business are happy. Otherwise, why, why do they turn up for work on a Monday morning? But I yeah. think it's more than that. It's it's um, it's giving them an opportunity. Uh, and they're all anonymous, by the way. And that was an important thing for us. There's no way we could identify who said what. Right. And, and people knew that. So um, I think... I think a lot came out around around leadership, um, around personal development and training. Uh, we thought we got that right. We thought we did we did enough in that area, and clearly we didn't. So so we fixed that. Um, and I think just tweaking some of the cultural disciplines within the business as well. So there, there wasn't one big standout issue. I think there was just uh, two or three that we thought were uh, areas that um, you know for, for an incremental change we, we we get a big result back from from the teams. It's it's always little things, isn't it? Little little changes and in, in, in the right way. And employees being heard is something you said. It's um so many businesses say they do that. I remember mm. back to my my very early days working for Hilton International and we had this um they they did a, a really good party basically called uh, Hilton Thanks You and uh, you'd you'd go and have a great meal and lots of drink and a nice band to dance away to and all of that sort of thing. But preempting that was a meeting where you were supposed to talk about you know what you really thought well nobody did because they were all too scared of losing their jobs or you know <laughs> so you yeah, the table like, oh yeah no well it'd be nice if uh, you know this happened or you know minor stuff which didn't really matter yeah. what they were really looking for i'm sure they spent a lot of money not getting uh, and that yeah. was a disappointing yeah. word. When I think about it now, I mean, I, hadn't, I haven't thought about Hilton Thank You for some time, but uh, you think, well, how many businesses are actually not, they're, they're asking for feedback, but not doing it anonymously like you guys have. So they feel mm-hmm. that there's, you know, there's an angle. Um, and how many are really not listening? If they, they hear the result, you know, if, if one employee says something different to the rest, a lot of businesses would be inclined to ignore that feedback because it doesn't fit with the, with the general lit, g- gist of it because that's what mathematics tells us. But actually, does that dissenting voice have a very good point? And is that point worth listening to? And could that radically change our business in ways we mm. hadn't expected it to? Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Just having a forum for for sharing ideas, you know, it's it's that classic thing where it doesn't matter if if you're on the the shop floor or in the boardroom, you know, ideas from everyone in the business are really important. And if you haven't got the right vehicle or forum to be able to to garner those ideas, then you know you're you're missing out on big opportunities. So it goes back to hiring the right people and having the right open culture because people talk again about openness. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's one of the values you mentioned before, um, but openness is yeah. a you know <laughs> glass doors and open doors and all that so it's important it's important stuff where's it all moving to what do you see the future of recruitment well the industry as a whole and then where do you see service fitting with that future um i i think really it's there's a couple of issues around this i think i probably allude to my earlier point around um the way the service is delivered so you think about in the recruitment industry 
you know, increasingly HR procurement RPOs are, are your interface. So, mm. so how do you deliver value and service to to the client, to the, the hiring manager that you're really working for, where you can't get past some of those um, functions, if you like, to to able to transpose your knowledge, your experience, your your thoughts, your insights. You know, those guys aren't interested in that. They just want a transactional service. Mm. So. I think it's understanding more about your your supply chain into organisations and and really giving people a genuine and sincere reason to to want to engage with you, uh, you know, personally and professionally. You know, some of our best clients have become friends, and um, that, that wasn't out of design. It's just it just happens that we're helping each other on our career trajectories, and and there's lots of synergies between what we do. So um, it's it's just really. Providing um, experiences for people that are going to help them in their own professional careers, mm-hmm. um, and and enable you to grow together as, as as organizations. Does that does that change over the sort of the level of the people you're working with? So you know, more junior or more senior? Is it is it different? I don't think I don't think you can differentiate. I think the service levels need to be standard across the board. You know, we're in our industry all our candidates are likely to become clients um whether that's you know in 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 two years three years five years or ten years um and i and i think it's it's one of those things now especially with with social media um you know your your personal reputation and your employer brand is always in jeopardy so you'll be known and remembered for for the one bad thing you did rather than the 10 good things you did prior to that so you, you can't afford to mess this up so it doesn't matter whether you're a junior candidate or you know, whatever type of client you're working with you absolutely need to have the same rigor uh, and governance yep. around around instilling that service value I, i'm but uh, i was expecting you to say that and i'm glad you did as well because that candidate to client thing is uh, there's no greater compliment is there when a client says to you steve could you help me in my my career yeah yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, and again, that's uh, that's a good litmus test that that you are doing your job right. You know, there's there's lots of recruiters out there, um, and I think you know why why would someone choose you? Um, I think if if you if you ask yourself that every day or every week, and, and just you know keep keep sharp around around the answers to that, then um, you know you'll, you'll you'll be making great strides. We talked about automation before, and you just mentioned uh, the sort of internal recruitment RPO stuff um there's a lot of friction added into the recruitment process through those things um you know one of the things that makes us want to work with another business or in my opinion makes us want to work with other with the business is that it's easy uh you know business has to be great value and group business has to be easy um, it, you yeah. know, if it becomes difficult, we don't like to do it. And um, whenever we add friction into or friction points into any process, it makes it more complicated. And those mm. I mean, those kind of systems that businesses put in. I remember years ago working with a big tele- telco who were one of the first to put a um, a portal in place where you have to put it. You know, for those who don't work in the industry, you stick your CVs into the portal and hope for the very yeah. best. And it does feel a yeah. lot like that, rather than ringing up the hiring manager and saying, "Look, I've got somebody great here. I'd love to have a chat with you about." Yeah. That friction yeah. makes it difficult for the recruiter. It also makes it difficult for the hiring manager. But for yeah. some reason, the corporate thinks they're, they're, they're you know it's wonderful because they're 
<laughs> they're managing to automate a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. – uh, I, I, I don't know about you, Steve. I'm hoping it goes out of fashion again. Yeah, it depends on your business model. I think, you know, there's some recruitment companies that are set up very well for that and accept that that's, that's where their value is. You, you know, mm-hmm. it's you're, end, you're at the end of a big funnel and you're, you're kind of playing roulette, putting CVs into a bit of a black hole on a portal that might or might not get reviewed by the hiring manager, you know, d- depending what mood the kind of the person selecting them is in, on, on a particular day. I think, you know, it's it's we've been and i think this is a good message you know you have to be brave enough to to kind of walk away from clients that that may sound insane mm. but if, if if you're not able to deliver value to a client um and therefore you're not able to leverage the fees that you think your your business is worth or or the, or the, the value of those fees that the business is worth then that then find a business that does i think you know that, that's something that we've We've reflected on long and hard. There's some super global brands out there that anyone would love a testimonial from on their website. But if it's not good business and and there's no reciprocal value in it, then you know I I, I question the value of, of having that relationship. I, uh, it's worked well for us. It was risky and it was a departure from our model, but it's uh, with hindsight, it was absolutely the right thing to do. I don't think I could agree with you more. I think that uh, you know people are very scared to sack clients, which is a kind of funny mm. way of talking about it. But but actually, yeah. it's it's important that you work with the right people, the people who fit your business, and you do a much better job for them. You know, I remember thinking back to one of my clients who was working with a big, uh, a big um, beauty business, huge business. Um, and when they worked it all out, they were making so little money for such hassle. Um, yeah. you, you, when you say to them, "Why are you doing it?" Oh, well, they're a big name. So what? There's lots of mm, great companies yeah. about there who you know who are, are big names as well, or are not big names, but they're great businesses yeah. to work with, and uh, yeah, and we yeah. do a great job for them, Steve. Before we finish, because I'm, I'm conscious that you are about to probably need to find another visa or pack a suitcase or something, <laughs> what's what's your big what what's the big thing you'd like? I'd love you to leave sort of one idea, one golden nugget, one one thing you'd like you think people could take away that could help them make their businesses better today and for the future. Wow, um, one thing I think. I think you have to have a passion for it. You know, you, you need to be really genuine and really authentic. Don't don't play at good service because if you do, you you'll get found out. Um, and it, it's I'll probably leave you on a, on a horrible cliche actually, but it's it's it kind of works. It's it's under promising and over delivering. If if you do that, I, I don't think you'll go far wrong. Fantastic, Steve. Thank you so much for all your time and lots and lots of great things there for people to think about. Lovely to have you on. James, my pleasure. Great talking to you. Thanks for inviting me. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.